Welcome to the Consortium Podcast, an academic audio blog sponsored by Kepler Education. Kepler is a consortium of independent classical Christian teachers unified by a shared vision for student flourishing. Welcome, I'm Scott Postma, your host, and today I'm joined by a special guest, Dr. Chris Swanson of Gutenberg College. Chris, sure glad to have you on the show today. Well, thank you, Scott. It's good to be here. Well, Chris, um, you're obviously, as the president of Gutenberg, um, I'd really like to hear uh, some of what you uh, think about education and have a a few questions we'll kind of get started with. But um, can you talk a little bit about uh, your background personally? What brought you to Gutenberg? Um, How did you uh, get your own education? And, you know, what does education mean to you? Uh, We'd just love to hear, you know, your thoughts on education generally. Sure. Um, well, I went to uh, an undergraduate school called Westmont College. It's a Christian college in Santa Barbara, and uh, it is a liberal arts college. It's sort of a, a more of a, a hybrid between a liberal arts college and a university type thing with lots of different majors. Um, I appreciated my experience there. It was it was nice to get to know some of the faculty there, to um, learn a little bit about life, think about Christianity. I thought that that particular model was a good model. I really appreciated it. I enjoyed it. I was excited about the opportunity to maybe pursue something like that on my own. So I went off to get a PhD, which I did. I got a PhD in physics, of all things, uh, which is not exactly, not exactly in line with the liberal arts, I recognize, but uh, that was that was where I was at. And, uh, you know, it was interesting in my um, physics education, um, it's, it, is, it is curious that there are a lot of things that you learn in your physics education, but there are a lot of things that are left out. Um, like in my undergraduate degree, I really didn't write any papers, so I didn't learn how to write. Uh, I did not learn really very much in terms of communicating and thinking along those lines. It was almost all problem solving. And the same thing was true in uh, my you know, PhD. In fact, uh, the question of what is science in all of my years of education was never once raised, which is an interesting question, I that think. And it seems to me. It seems to me like that was a mistake um, because there's an assumption about what science is and how you pursue it that is ingrained into everybody, the PhDs, the undergraduates, everybody, without actually raising these questions. So anyway, as I was going through my uh, degree, I I ran into a group of folks that were starting a college, of all things, uh, Gutenberg College, and um, we started talking about what it would look like, what a good college would look like and, and what that might be. Um, in particular, our emphasis and focus was what is the sort of education that would be most valuable for people to live life, understand the Bible, um, uh, understand their faith, uh, pursue goodness. Those are the sorts of questions that we were asking when we were start putting together the college. And uh, we, were, we were looking at the, the model that was created by Adler with St. John's College, also Thomas Aquinas. We went and visited Thomas Aquinas. So it was a, it was a really exciting and interesting venture. Uh, we started small, as we still are, and uh, took off in 1994. Um, at the time, I was still doing physics over at the University of Oregon. I was working um, as a postdoc over there, but eventually I came on full-time and became a tutor. Everything that I think I've learned about liberal arts, about the nature of science, about reading, about truth, faith, those sorts of things, 
has grown out of my interactions and experiences at Gutenberg College. Um, what I learned as an undergrad and a, and a graduate student was how to solve problems and physics concepts, but everything else has come since then. So, and I feel like the latter, the, the, the other stuff that I learned at Gutenberg has been more valuable to me in my life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I've, I've really, really appreciated that. And I wanted to turn around and make that possible for other students. Well, as you've you know clearly pointed out that Gutenberg has a different model. You talked about St. John's and, and Thomas Aquinas. Um, could you you know maybe share with our listeners? You know, you you said your undergrad was liberal arts, uh-huh. and Gutenberg is a liberal arts college. But but maybe we're talking about two different kinds of understandings of liberal arts, uh, because it sounds like these are two very different you know programs. Maybe you could unpack that a little bit. Absolutely, that's a great question. Thank you. Um, yeah, they are completely, completely different programs. Um, places, uh, most of the universities, um, colleges and universities in the United States follow more or less a standard form. Uh, um, basically you have a whole lot of different majors. Uh, presumably you do some sort of, you know, introductory, um, liberal arts kind of uh, broad-based education in your first couple of years, and then you specialize and, and learn a major in your last two years uh, to prepare you either for a career or for graduate school or something along those lines. Um, and they tend to be uh, large with many, many different departments. Um, what you learn in a, in a place like that, well, what I learned, I don't know. I can't say, I can't say what everybody learns cause I'm not experienced with everybody else. But my impression is that what you learn is sort of, um, the introductory stuff is just stuff that you have to get out of the way in order to prepare you to specialize mm. and specializing is what's really critical. Um, and that if you really want to be say, especially if you want to go on in academia or education and further, Specializing is important to get right at the end of your particular area and and be able to contribute in some small way at the very tips of uh, the forefront of knowledge or something along those lines. Um, or perhaps you're specializing uh, to prepare for a particular career. So you specialize in certain kinds of knowledge and skills to become, I don't know, uh, you know, a marketer or a doctor or something along those lines. Um, Gutenberg has really got a very different vibe to it, a really different kind of an approach. Um, we're generalists. Um, so, uh, what we focus on is the integrated integration of a variety of different kinds of disciplines. So at, at my college, uh, when I was an undergrad, uh, there was physics and, you know, you wouldn't take philosophy except for maybe a, a brief intro and you wouldn't take, um, sociology for certain, and you wouldn't learn economics and you certainly wouldn't read a bunch of literature or write a lot of papers. Um, whereas at Gutenberg, all those things are sort of combined. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they're combined is because in reality, they've always been combined. I mean, uh, if you go back through time and you look at what was going on at any particular time in history, all of the various disciplines were all feeding off of each other. Everything was working 
uh, together. The artists were in conversation with the scientists who are in conversation with the theologians who are in conversation with, um, you know, the economists and so on and so forth. There's usually a, a sort of a spirit of the age and everybody is all breathing the same thing and they're all interacting with each other and they're all thinking about these things. So none of these disciplines are, are sort of independent of each other and all of them are borrowing in some sense from the philosophical roots that they're coming out of. Mm-hmm. So to try and sort of separate these things, um, in order to separate them, in order to specialize, you just sort of have to assume that your particular your particular specialization has the right answers with regard to the, the bigger questions and, and move forward rather than giving yourself the opportunity to ask those questions. Kuhnberg College is all about asking questions. Yeah. Um, we really encourage students to ask questions. And we, as faculty, are asking questions, both of ourselves and of our students, to prompt our, everybody to think more deeply about what is true. And um, the other piece is that it is a communal effort. Um, a lot of times, education becomes very sort of individualized, isolated, specialized, as I said before. It's like, you are doing your education, you know, you go back to your dorm and you hang out with your friends, but you are not really doing any education with them because you, I was a science major and my buddies were like religious studies majors and computer science majors and all this other kind. There's no crossover educationally between what I'm doing and what they're doing. So, and when I'm in class, it's me and the book and the teacher (laughs) doing my thing. Right. Yeah. At Gutenberg, it's completely different. Um, it's a family. Everybody is working together um, in sort of a community to try and sort out uh, the questions that matter. Um, and the thing that's beautiful about it is that in the process of doing that, and okay, so let me let me just prompt this by asking you the two things that are not polite to talk about in society, <laughs> yeah, right? Politics and politics religion. and religion. Exactly. <laughs> politics and religion. Guess what we talk about a lot at Gutenberg College. Right. Well, we I, talk about politics and religion. I mean, we talk about everything. We talk about knowledge and epistemology and, and we talk about religion. Um, and those are important topics. The reason why they're so fraught with difficulty is because people have very strong views about them. So what better way to learn how to be in a community with other people than to talk about the things that are most important. And there's conflict. There's always conflict. And the students have to figure out what they're going to do with that. Because when you're a student in Gutenberg College, you're there for four years, you're with the same class, the same cohort that goes through the, the whole way. And um, if there's conflict, you have to figure it out. Um, you have to figure out uh, how to interact with that person, how to be kind to that person, how to deal with your own fears um, because there's all every student brings fears. I have fears as well. We all have fears and those fears are, uh, can be exposed. Like somebody believes something different than me. What if I'm wrong? That's, that's scary. That's really scary. And um, most people are afraid to approach that, but this is a period of time in students' lives when um, those questions are on the table. They've, they've, they've gone through their high school you know, years, they've learned a lot from their parents, from their church, from everybody. Um, but they usually have some questions and, um, 
or if they don't, maybe they should. So this is an opportunity for them to sort of address some of those questions. So Gutenberg is a communal organization jointly pursuing truth within a Christian context. That's a that's another important key factor. All faculty are Christians. We all believe in the Bible. That's an important piece to us. But we recognize that every person has their own journey. Every person has their own questions, their own thoughts. We cannot force Christianity on them. So all we can do is guide them, encourage them, ask them questions. It's uh, it's my belief that, you know, uh, truth is faith's greatest ally. So yeah. pursuing the truth is going to be very, very valuable for, for them as they go forward. I, I love several things that you just said um, that, that you unpacked there that are really important to point out, I think. And, and that is that contrast between the integration you talked about and the, you know, the specialization and this idea that we have in our, you know, specialized universities today is you get your gen eds, you know, the liberal art, what mm-hmm. they call the little rocks, we get those out of the way so you can get to get onto your specialization. But I find something really fascinating in just in some of my, my own research, um, uh, discovering that in the tw- mid 20th century, the number one book that was published or, or the question that was asked in from uh, poetry to literature to, you know, fiction and, and uh, nonfiction was what is man. And, and this yeah. comes, this comes on the heels of two world wars after we're so enlightened and we're specialized and we know all this science. Um, but we're not thinking about real life as integrated in, in knowing, you know, uh, maybe we, maybe it's not, what can we do, but should we, you know, and, and so asking these questions yeah. that you're talking about truth, goodness, and beauty are so important. And I think anybody who knows, um, or listens to our podcast, uh, or knows anything about us at Kepler, but love Gutenberg, love what you guys stand for and uh, your approach to education and it's really been fascinating uh, to watch this journey and, and, and to see what you guys are, are doing and, and the students that you're turning out. Well, one of the things that you um, have recently launched is the Learning for Life Conference and um, I'm really excited to talk about that a little bit. Um, so what motivated this the launch of this conference? Uh, what is it about? Who is it for? And maybe tell us a little bit about um, what folks should know about it. Sure. Um, well, we launched the conference uh, because it seemed to us that there there um, there were a number of wonderful conferences around the country for educators, whether they be homeschool educators or uh, classical school teachers, or just in general any kind of uh, education educator for say K through 12 or potentially even, uh, you know, college educators. There are a number of these conferences all over the country and they're fabulous conferences, but they tend to reside, um, sort of in the South and the East and the Midwest. Um, there aren't many that are up in the Pacific Northwest. And we thought that Gutenberg college, uh, had a lot to offer. Uh, people who are thinking about education because we've been thinking about it for a long time. And, um, and we thought that it would be a great offering to the general community to have uh, a really excellent conference specifically for educators to learn and be encouraged and understand primarily classical education is, is kind of the focus of the conference. So um, that was sort of the motivation behind it. 
Um, and uh, we've done this one time before last year. We had a great conference. Um, we try and bring in well-known speakers from all over the country who can who are particularly expert in the theme that we have picked. This year, we picked a theme called um, "Learning for Life." Uh, the question is, what does it mean to be a lifelong learner? What it, What are the kinds of attributes of a person that um, is interesting? interested in learning for life. And one of the main attributes that we think is important, and this is sort of the bread and butter at Gutenberg College. So it's no surprise that we went this direction, but conversation really is, is a big part of learning for life. I mean, uh, asking questions, continuing to be curious, continuing to want to know and interacting with others about it. And, um, and that curiosity, it seems to us is, is promoted in small group discussions. Discussions. So I know we are all, as we're adults, we don't get that opportunity as much. We once we, you know, we get out of school or whatever, and we've we've moved on. We're working. We're taking care of kids and that kind of thing like that. There's very little opportunity for for discussing and thinking about um, important questions. But they're just as important when you're, uh, you know, a mom of five, five kids or something like that. You know, it's just as important to be asking. You know. What is man? I've got these little kids running around. I need to know the answer to this question. (laughs) I I love that you've emphasized now several times the idea that, that asking questions is a part, a fundamental part of a good education. And, and one of the things that is striking to me is, um, and, you know, I was a part of a faith tradition in a, my own personal experience years ago uh, before migrating, you know, theologically. But I was part of a faith tradition that it was really inappropriate to ask questions. This is what you're told to believe. This is what you're supposed to, uh, to do. And don't ask questions. Otherwise, you know, there's something wrong with your heart kind of thing. And, you know, you find that so constricting and, but what if you have legitimate questions? What if you're not trying to be, you know, just a rebel? What if you just really want to know, you know, and, and I've, I've found in my own experience teaching that the freedom that students have to ask genuine questions with a heart of humility and, and, and sincere desire to know and discuss these things, um, produces some of the greatest, you know, epiphany moments, I think for students, can you talk a little bit more about that and, and how that maybe is fleshed out at the conference? Sure. Um, well, I agree with you 100%. I mean, you are, you are singing in my tune there. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) The conference is really going to be focusing on a lot of it is going to focus on the nature of discussion and how one goes about leading discussions. Um, We're bringing in people who are expert or particularly well suited to provide, um, uh, you know, guidance in that area. Um, We're having uh, Andrew Zorneman, who's coming from the Kane Academy. The whole point of Kane Academy is training classical teachers. That's what they've been doing for Mm. years and years, and they're they're highly skilled at it. We're bringing in Catherine Smith. She's the co-director of the Masters in Teaching for Classical Education. She teaches teachers. That's her job, and that's her program that she does. You're coming. You obviously have thought a lot about education, classical education, and how it should be taught. Um, so that's going to be fantastic. Um, we have uh, a representative from uh, Classical Conversation who, who's going to be speaking, Amanda Butler, and she's going to be talking um, about the sorts of things that, you know, how does one, um, you know, reclaim the art of 
dialogue because that's a big part of their program as well. And um, Andrew Pudua, who's the CEO of the Institute in Excellence in Writing, everybody is really going to be thinking a little bit about this theme. Now, obviously, it's going to p- take different directions and different people are going to say different things, but I think that's going to be really healthy and really wonderful to see different aspects of it. I'm going to be talking about inquiry in mathematics and science. This is something that nobody ever thinks about. I mean, nobody ever talks about how do you ask questions in math and science? How do you have a discussion in math? What's the point of having a discussion in math and science? I mean, aren't the answers just really clear and you just do the math and you get it right, right? That's, that's the deal. Well, I'm going to try and explore that and, and ask that question. Is that really the way to do it? So that's going to be a big part of it. And then the other piece, which is really unusual, I don't know, maybe it's not unusual. Um, I've, I've gone to a number of conferences. Usually there's just lots and lots of talks, but we're going to have some discussions. Because it seems to me it would be kind of unusual to have a conference about leading discussions and the whole way the conference goes is having people stand up there and talk at you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So you're going to, there's going to be at least two discussions that I know of. That's right. Two discussions. So everybody's going to break up into small groups. We've got a bunch of leaders and we're going to talk about a couple of really interesting um, Short, very short um, material, one uh, sort of a selection from Plato's Theotetus, where he talks about being a midwife, um, which I think will be pertinent to what we're doing. Mm-hmm. A midwife of knowledge is what he calls himself. And then a second one um, from Small is Beautiful by uh, Schumacher, which is uh, his chapter on education, which is a fascinating look at how he thinks about education as being one of the most important resources for um for economics, which is what he's writing about. So I think these discussions will be fantastic. We're, it's going to be a, a chance to participate and then also talk about the discussions that we have. Think about what is it that happened here and why did it happen and how did people do the way they did and could we do it better and how can we bring that those particular skills back to our classrooms, our educational settings and provide um, you know skilled, um, skilled discussion. Because I, like you said, the really important epiphany moments happen when there is a, a spirit of freedom and confidence and safety to ask questions. And creating an atmosphere like that is it's an incredible challenge. Um, I've been doing it for so, so long. And every time I walk away and I go, I don't know if I did a good job on that one, right? <laughs> so it is, it is very difficult. I do not, I do not um, you know, try and make it sound like it's easy. It's not. Um, but there are some skills and, and you can learn how to do it and you can become better at it. So that's going to be a big focus of what it is that we're doing, asking questions, learning how to ask questions and the value of asking questions. Well, I just want to say to our audience right now that this is, you know, one of the most fascinating parts of the conference to me is that you're actually going to be participating in the very thing that we're, you know, talking about at this conference is, you know, and actually getting to, uh, to do it. And it's one of the questions I get often, you know, when, uh, parents or teachers, you know, are, are talking about classical education is how do you ask questions? How do you lead a discussion like the practical part of it? So this conference is going to be all about that and you're going to actually get a, an opportunity to, to do it. Where, where can folks find out more about the conference and how can they uh, get information? We're going to put it in the show notes here for this, but can you maybe give sure. a little insight? Sure. Uh, we have a website. Uh, it's gutenberg.edu slash edcon, E-D-E-C-O-N. That's the sort of the simplest way to get at it. Uh, um, and there's a place that has the, the speakers and the schedule and a registration button 
prices the whole the whole nine yards you can look at it that's the best place to find out about what's going on and it's in eugene oregon folks which is absolutely beautiful in uh september um you know Mm -hmm. i don't know how much snow you guys get when it gets really cold but uh but it's beautiful the pacific northwest is amazing and especially there in in oregon and you're about like an hour i think from the coast right Uh, yeah yeah it'd be a a nice little family getaway come to the conference and and spend some time in the pacific northwest so i would highly encourage folks to uh to take a look at this conference now we we have a few more minutes uh before we wrap up and um chris i've always appreciated um you know as i said what you guys are doing at gutenberg but your insights in particular um coming from you know a physics background actually but before i say this i wanted to i'm going to shift gears here for a second uh you mentioned a moment ago um you were talking about physics and about science and about you know isn't it just absolutely concrete and certain and you know and and folks are surprised it was watson's book on the double helix that uh really just unrooted my my thinking on that and realized how much humanness is in science and, and participates. I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, I'm assuming you probably are, but, um, uh, James Watson, I think is in the double helix where they, you know, discovered this and just how much of it was, um, not certain, you know, it was a lot of trial and error. It was a lot of, um, you know, just, uh, human aspects coming into it. And it was really fascinating for me. So I just wanted to throw that little plug in there to what you said and, and almost forgot about it, but can you, with your background and, and, and your experience here, can you talk for just a moment, um, about, uh, you know, uh, modern academia, the direction of American universities, what are your thoughts? I know there's a lot of talk about this. You're an expert, obviously, in uh, education, and um, maybe you have some thoughts. Where, where is education heading? Can the Bohemoth University be redeemed? Um, should we be looking at, at alternative? What you know? What should we be thinking about as our kids are are coming up? Well, that's a that's a pretty uh, wide open question, a fairly broad question there, but. Let- let me, let me offer uh, two, what I think of as two key insights into thinking about uh, education today. Um, number one is prestige, and the other one is ideology. So what do I mean by that? Um, by prestige, I mean, as far as I can tell, um, the universities, the colleges that are around, um, they are they have sort of morphed into a kind of a business approach to things and but they're different than a regular business a regular business is all about profit and the universities and colleges that are out there are there they are after prestige rather than profit so they are doing everything that they can to build their prestige so that might be um with prestige faculty it could be with prestigious athletics it could be with big buildings it could be with um, you know big endowments it could be with gigantic you know campuses or facilities or something like that something to make them look uh, like they are uh, an amazing and wonderful and valuable and um, kind of an institution they're all chasing rankings in some sense um, and the pursuit of rankings, is going to push them down a particular path, which is going to organize everything they do in a way that is going to encourage uh, the prestige of the institution. 
the students, now this is not true of all students, and it's not necessarily true of all colleges and universities, but generally speaking, that seems to be the case. With students, and this is not true of all students, they are also usually interested, at least to some extent, in prestige. Um, you know, they are looking for a school uh, that they can go to uh, that is going to give them that stamp, that diploma, that that name recognition um, that gives them a sense of, oh, you have accomplished something in your life. You have done well. You went to, well, you went to Stanford. Mm-hmm. Well, you're somebody, <laughs> right? Um, you went to, you know, whatever you name your school, um, you may have lower sites than Stanford, but if you look at the kind of applications that are going out, I mean, the number of applications that go to these prestigious schools are off the charts, right? Because everybody's looking to get in there. And the only reason they don't get more is because a lot of people figure they don't have any chance. So they don't, but if they thought they had a chance, they would. Um, so I feel like that kind of is it really tempers or shapes the nature of the education. Um, part of the prestige has to do with, with money, obviously, because the more money you have, the more prestige you have. Students, uh, a lot of times are looking for prestige also for, um, the career that it will, it will bring to them. Um, and, there are a lot of pieces there. So I'm not trying to demean anybody who's looking for a career or I'm not trying to demean the university for offering professional training because, you know, it's, that's important as is important for having for us to have professional training. What I'm suggesting is that the mindset of thinking about college as an organization that is going to provide me the prestige or that jumping off point where the rest of my life is then going to go well. It's sort of this myth of college. I get into a good high school. The high school gets me into a really good college, which gets me this really great job. And then I'm going to have lots of money and marry somebody and, and have kids and, and have this wonderful life. Um, I think it's a myth. I really think it's a myth. I think that um, the kinds of things, because of the prestige nature of the institution, the kinds of things that they emphasize uh, are going to not necessarily lead you towards what you might really want out of life. Um, I know we all know, as we think about what's valuable, that there are lots of really valuable things in terms of how you interact with people, how whether you love them, what your faith is like, um, you know, how you treat your children, your coworkers all the sorts of things. We all know that's important, but there's something in us that wants also to be recognized with the big career or the nice job or the big house and the nice car and all those sorts of things like that. Um, so I feel like the university is catering to that side of it to, if you come here, you will, you, we will launch you into this materialistic way of living that is going to satisfy you. And we all know that a materialistic way of living is not necessarily going to to make you satisfied important, especially if you're a Christian. Yeah. So the other piece is ideology. I'm sorry. Did you want to say something there? No, no, I I, I was just going to ask you about the ideology, but no, yeah, please continue. So the other piece is ideology. I feel like, um, I mean, we, we broached this subject earlier in this, in this podcast, um, there are questions that people want to ask um, 
but questions are not always encouraged. Um, there is a particular way of thinking that people would like you to think. Um, and that is true in almost all, well, not almost all, but very many institutions, whether they be um, incredibly secular and sometimes also within Christian institutions as well. As you said, from your faith tradition, asking questions was not necessarily encouraged. And it's the same with the very large universities. Their ideology, uh, their tradition is very different than, say, your faith tradition that you came out of. The kinds of questions that you're not supposed to ask there are really different. You are expected to sort of fall in line with the particular secular ideology that exists. Uh, morality is is put in certain frameworks. Um, you know, here's what's good and here's what's bad. And questions about whether those are good or bad are um, are met with, you know silencing and repercussions, um, you know, loss of stature, loss of friends, loss of grades, loss of whatever, you know, so you sort of have to keep your head down. Uh, if you're a Christian and you want to ask questions relating to faith in a big, uh, in a big university or big secular university, things of that sort, it's not a particularly friendly atmosphere for either Christianity or uh, asking questions. And I mean, to be fair, it's not just the secular universities that are doing this. There are plenty of, you know, uh, you know, more conservative kinds of mm-hmm. institutions that have a similar kind of approach to things. Maybe they, maybe they're a little bit more open, but not necessarily always. So I feel like that's a big piece of uh, modern higher education as well. I, I love that you brought that up at the end, uh, the, the idea that, you know, this is both sides of the, you know, um, I don't want to say just political, but that's usually where people reduce it down to some political conservatives or, or leftist or, or whatever. But a truly liberating education, liberal education, asks questions. You're not, you know, trading one ideology for, for another. And, and that seems to be what happens even generationally, right, within this, you know, different colleges or, or within academia. One ideology rules for a while and you better fall in line or else. And I wonder how much that ties into their, you know, the business model that you're talking about because they've got to, you know, get students. I know, uh, you know, personally here where, where we're at with the U- University of Idaho a couple of years ago, right before the COVID stuff happened, they were uh, financially in, in dire straits and student enrollment was down. And so they spent like $22 million <laughs> building some big quad and rock climbing wall and all these kinds of things to try to attract mm-hmm. students, you know, to come in <laughs> and, and you're, you're just scratching your head. But from a marketing standpoint, you know, well, how do we get more students? How do we get them here and get the government funding and all these things? So there's this conflation of, um, actual education and the prestige that comes with wherever you go to school or whatever degree you have. And so I really appreciate that you brought that out. I think that's exactly right. Well, Chris, this has been uh, super enjoyable and uh, I know that um, we'll be seeing each other in a couple of weeks and looking forward to that. Do you have any final thoughts to uh, leave with the audience about education, about Gutenberg, about the um, EdCon conference? Um. Well, I would just encourage everybody to, um, to be bold and ask questions. <laughs> That's great. It's, it's a hard thing to do. And, um, and there are a lot of questions to be asked and, 
I think humility is the place to start there. It's like, um, we all have to recognize our limitations and there are really important questions to ask. And a lot of times we just sort of take for granted what we've been told and, and what people think. And, um, I feel like Gutenberg college, this conference is, is a great opportunity for people to, to step up and start thinking about those things. So I would encourage you to, to do that, whether you do it at our conference or not. Amen. Well, I, I do hope you'll check out the conference. And if you're looking for a place to go to school, your young people are at that place, I would highly encourage you to look at Gutenberg. And, and I say that not just because Chris is on the show today. Um, you know, we are talking about Gutenberg and, and there are other good colleges out there. But I've admired Gutenberg because for me, and, and maybe you wouldn't describe it this way, but it is the cross. It's like the best of uh, St. John's and Labrie, you know, if, if folks are familiar with those and those have always been fascinating to me because of the model of asking questions, reading the great books, thinking deeply and writing and, and, you know, about the things of the world uh, that we live in, where we, you know, live and move and have our being and asking these great questions um, because that's really what matters. That's what education really is. And so anyway, I hope you'll check it out. Thanks so much for joining us today, Chris. Good to have you and uh, hope you have a great uh, rest of your week and weekend and um, we'll see you all around. God bless. Thank you very much, Scott. It's uh, been wonderful to be here. All right. Bye-bye, folks.